in the Bible, in Isaiah 53, is one of many, many prophecies which are written down in the Bible talking about Jesus before he arrived. And it says, he, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, that is God, upon Jesus, the iniquity of us all. I love the way that's uh, NIV, but I love the way the um, um, English Revised Version puts it. It says, but he was punished for what we did. He was crushed because of our guilt. He took the punishment we deserved, and this brought us peace. We were healed because of his pain. We had all wandered away like sheep. We'd gone our own way, and yet the Lord put all our guilt on him. That is God to Jesus again in our place, in our place. I was thinking about what I could share, and, and one of the things that I can tell you very strongly is I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And it wasn't always this way, but it, but it is this way now. And, and in this world today, it's becoming ever more unpopular to believe in Jesus. But I believe in Jesus. I recognize that the scripture is just one of many, many, in fact, three, over 300 scriptures which were written that Jesus would go on to fulfill. And statistically speaking, for Jesus just to fulfill eight of the 300 is the same odds as if I get a $1 American coin and then fill the entire state of Texas two feet deep with $1 coins and then ask one person to go into the state of Texas at some point and pick up a coin specially marked with, you're the winner. The odds are that he would fulfill just eight of these promises are the same as you being able to find that one coin in one go. If we move on and, and make it 16 chances, uh, 16 fulfillment of, of Scripture, it's the same as filling the entire universe. Have you got that slide? Can you just pop that slide up? It's the same odds as filling the entire galaxy from the center of the sun right out to the orbit of Neptune, not just as a coin, but as a 3D object, a major, if you imagine the major sun goes right out to Neptune, filled with $1 coins. And then I ask you to go somehow into it and find one coin marked with you are the winner. It's pretty good. That's just 16. Jesus just fulfilling 16. He fulfilled 
300. It's crazy. I was thinking, why do I believe in Jesus? Why do I believe in Jesus? Why should you believe in Jesus? The fact is that statistically, there is good evidence for him. But there's also independent writers who didn't even like what he did, who wrote at the time that Jesus existed and commented about it. Some of them asked the emperor of Rome how he should deal with Christians who believed in this guy, Jesus, who had lived and performed miracles. Now, it doesn't prove what they believed about Jesus, but it proves the fact that there was a person called Jesus that lived at that time. It's interesting, I, I uh, was watching a clip some years ago uh, on John Cleese, and he was commenting about a movie that they made that caused quite a stir back in the time. It, it was called The Life of Brian. Probably many of us have seen it. It's quite, I think it's quite funny, personally, but there are parts that I, I don't like so much, but you know, it was amusing as a, as a young man before I knew Christ. They didn't want to write, and for those of you that haven't seen it, it's about disciples um, of Jesus, and they basically make fun of them. But that was never their intention. Their intention was to make a movie about Jesus and mock and basically make fun of him. But guess what? When they sat down and they studied the Bible, and this is directly from John Cleese, they looked at the life of Jesus and there was nothing that they could make fun of. There was nothing that they could make a joke about. There was nothing he said, nothing he did in his time that they could make a movie about, that they could mock. What they did realize, though, was he had some followers, and they did make mistakes, and they did do things that could that could be made to look funny. And so they made the movie called Life of Brian about his followers. But isn't it interesting that some very talented people who are very funny at finding comical things couldn't find anything about Jesus to make a joke about? I was thinking further about this. You know, you've never heard people write articles and say, well, Jesus said this, but it was actually wrong. How many of you have seen news articles about politicians who have made public statements or quoted facts or said this, and then they get taken to task on the facts or, or you get commentators say, oh, that's all very well saying that, but this, you know? It never happened with Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus was, in my book, the real deal. And I hope if whether you agree or not, It'll at least spur you on to investigate. That is my hope. Find out for yourself. Don't believe Jesus because I say, believe Jesus because he is real, because he speaks to you. If you don't know that God is real, that Jesus is real, ask him to reveal himself to you. That's what I did, and he did it. The Bible says in Psalms 14, the fool says in their heart, there is no God. I urge you to seek out God. 
it's wise to do so. I saw a David Attenborough clip um, some months back where he actually talks about that sometimes he wonders if just like sometimes when he's out in the jungles and whatnot, standing over an ant nest, he sometimes wonders if there's not someone standing over him looking down on him. This is, this is David Attenborough who's, you know, 300 million years ago. 60 billion years ago, you know? And he wonders, he has doubts. He, he has a thing inside him called a conscience. And I think it's a, a part that God's put there that just keeps on, regardless of the mental arguments or his belief in, in uh, evolution and that God has put a part in him that just will not stop. It just keeps gnawing away and just keeps reminding him, you were created for more than this, David. There is a God. It's nuts for us to look at this keyboard set on the side of stage and say it just happened. No one made it. You know, if I pulled out a, a Swiss Rolex watch and, and, and gave it to you and said, just happened, you'd go, you're nuts. It's been made, you know, it's the Swiss watch. It's the world famous Swiss watch. It's been made, it's precise. It's been engineered so skillfully by craftsmen who are just so amazing at what they do. You know, we, we, we don't make assumptions that things just happen like that. We, we know that where there is an object like that, that there is design behind it. But with the world, which is even more complex and even more amazing, and the Bible says that all we need to do is look at the world and look at nature and look at all its incredible stuff that we can see the design of God in that. And yet sometimes we close ourselves off. But time runs out. You know, I went on a fishing trip some years ago and uh, I was out on a boat, it was called the Deep Star, and I was, uh, we would go out each year for about three days out at sea and not come back in. Um, and we'd just fish, fish, fish. It was great. It was good. The first year I went out in it, one of, the, one of the first things I asked once we were sort of underway was where are the life jackets kept? And I remember the responses. Some of the guys said, oh, they're in, back here under there. But some of the guys were like, <laughs> you know, when the boat's capsized and, it's, and you're in the water, it's too late to find out where the life jackets are. When the storms come and the water's coming up, it's too late to find out what you need to survive. We need to find out here and now. So as we continue with the next part, which is communion, I would encourage you to never stop seeking out God. If you found God, that is fantastic. Never stop pushing into him. Just because we find the life jacket doesn't mean we can wander off from it. We need it nearby if we're still in that situation where we need it nearby. You can't forget about that. So just some thoughts for you to ponder late at night. Lying in your bed, 
thinking about all kinds of things like I do. And as we move into communion, Matthew 26 says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So today is all about remembering. If you saw the advertising for Easter, it's all about come and remember. And Sunday is come and dance. Come and dance. Today we remember in a sober way. On Sunday we party like there's no Monday because of what our Savior has done for us. We will dance in the aisles Ooh, that's a bit of a step for Lane Park Church, isn't it? We will dance in the aisles. Oh, see if that happens. That's good. If you do, you won't get growled at by the pastor. I can tell you that. How about I pray for communion? We can hop up afterwards and go and get communion in our time and then come back to our seats and we'll carry on. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus coming and dying. And we do remember. We choose to remember. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his love. We thank you for the price he paid for us in our place. Thank you for the cup of wine. Thank you for the bread that is symbolic for his body and blood which was broken and poured out for us. And we take it as an act of love, an act of remembrance to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.